Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. We have Lisa Duffy, author of The Catholic Guide to Dating After Divorce, Cultivating the Five Qualities That Free You to Love. Really love that title. Yeah, that's a beautiful title. (laughs) This theme. And we would love to know a little bit about you first off. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Lisa? Absolutely. I'm a Southern California native, and I went through a very unwanted divorce back in the 90s. And um, to that point, I had actually lost three children in miscarriage. One was uh, rather late in the game. So at 30 years old, I was divorced and childless without the hope of having children and Catholic. And I was a very angry individual because I felt like um, God had let me down. Um, not, I think that was kind of my way of dealing with things at first. I, I kind of blamed. I blamed God. I blamed my ex-spouse, things like that. But I, you know, over the course of uh, a couple of years and after making many, many mistakes um, in the name of trying to find healing, I finally accepted the fact that the only real healing I was ever going to get was in my faith, through the sacraments through cultivating a relationship, you know, my relationship with God, and really just kind of embracing what he had in store for me now. Um, I didn't like being a divorced Catholic, but it was my reality. So I had to embrace it, and I had to look for what his will was now. And as I did that, he was very good to me. He blessed me in many, many ways, and finally um, led me to the man that I'm married to today. We've been remarried for 16 years, and despite uh, the doctor's dire warnings that I would never be able to have children after what I went through, I have three beautiful, healthy children. And so um, I do all, everything I do is to help divorced Catholics stay close to their faith. All the, the books, the writing, the conferences, everything, it's all at the service of divorced Catholics because I know how difficult it is to stay close to your faith when you're so angry and when the the world is trying to pull you away. Yeah. There's so much that is affected, like just so, so many different aspects of many, many people's lives in divorce. Yes. Yes. It's, I mean, we could talk about it for a year. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely could. But I initially contacted you because I read this article that you wrote that I just loved and you were going into the annulment process and how we're actually doing a better job at talking about marriage and the annulment process than before marriage. So could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. You know, I wrote that article because I was remembering the frightful experience, (laughs) and I say that tongue-in-cheek, but there is some truth to it, the frightful experience of having to revisit the past, the, the marriage that failed, for the purposes of giving information to the canon lawyers who would be reviewing my annulment case. 
And a lot, of, a lot of people complain that it's extremely intrusive and very personal, but marriage is very personal. And when someone is going to decide your future based on, you know, the information you give them, you want to give them as much as possible. So it is, it is very personal. And I found at first glance, flipping through the 107 questions that I had received in the mail, even at first glance, it was just far too painful to sit down and, and read further. So I just threw it in the bottom drawer of my desk for a couple of weeks until I was ready. And then when I rolled up my sleeves and made time to be upset and started digging through the dirt, so to speak, it occurred to me, why, why hadn't I been asked these questions before? And it wasn't, it wasn't a blaming thing. It was like, ding, you know, light bulb. It's like, we should be asking these questions before, long before, because it really brings to light the level of maturity of the couple, the level of understanding what they are committing to. It's, it's just like shining a, a brilliant light on all these things that could make or break a marriage. Is there no premarital counseling that goes on in the Catholic Church before a couple gets married? Is there, I'm sure there's something, and maybe not yes. as thorough as this 107 question <laughs> questionnaire, but um, can you familiarize me Absolutely. with that? But um, also keep in mind that when I was going through, well, first of all, when I got married, pre-Cana back then was, it wasn't scarce, it was just very... It was not, it was inadequate. I think that's probably the best way I can say it. And, and maybe there were other dioceses that had better marriage prep than what I received in California. But I can definitely say what I received in California was lacking to a great degree. We did meet with our priest two or three times. We did take the, what is it called? The, the test, the personality test. And I, I'm sorry, I think it's focus. We did take that, and unfortunately, my spouse, my ex-spouse, later told me that he thought that there were many trick questions on there, and so he didn't answer honestly. So um, that was part of the problem. What? And <laughs> that sounds like a red flag number one. <laughs> so we can. Well, I'll revisit that if you'd like, but just yeah. for the purposes of answering your question, I think nowadays. And especially in preparation for my second marriage, I think that pre-cana programs have come a long way. Three to get married is a great tool for um, people who are looking at getting married. But I still think that there are other things that could be done. And that's why I wrote this article, because I think that you don't have to come at a couple preparing for marriage the same way the annulment process does for someone who's divorced. But I think it's a good idea to kind of look at some of these really important aspects, family life, childhood, young adulthood, and, and many of the problems that come with it. I think it's great to take that into consideration and talk about it, not just, you know, fill in blanks on a test or fill in little dots on a test, but actually discuss it with your future spouse and really start getting these things in, into the open. And I think if we did that, it would serve to prevent some couples from getting married and strengthen other couples who are really prepared to get married, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And do you have some ideas of 
other things like that that we could be doing to prevent divorce or, you know, maybe either like showing people that shouldn't be getting married, that maybe they, mm. because to be <laughs> honest, the annulment process, even the fact that annulments exist is kind of difficult for me because it's, it just, it, it seems to me like, why aren't we doing more to prevent people from having to even go through this spot? Like, why are there even invalid marriages that we need to annul later? And it, it, it really, mm-hmm. that's one thing that really concerns me. And, and that, right. I'm just, I just really would like to know what we as a church can do better right. to prevent them from happening. Well, that's a great question. And I think that um, a lot of people are concerned with this. I know I certainly am. I think one thing that's extremely important is information. You know, we have a lot of divorced and civilly remarried Catholics who turn around and they they say, well, I want to come back, but I had no idea that what I was doing was wrong. And I think that information is key with couples preparing for marriage. But at the same time, we have to realize that couples make up their own minds. They do what they want. So I think it's important for those of us who understand the importance of preparing for marriage that we help them, whether it's, you know, a relative and you really encourage them in a positive way to, to go on the pre cana weekend or to, you know, you really kind of are there with them by their side in conversation, helping them. That's a beautiful witness. Other good, strong Catholic marriages, you know, are a good witness because there's so much divorce and cohabitation and hookup culture that's affecting our younger generations that are preparing to get married. And that's part of the confusion. But I do have to say that I think the biggest thing that would help is really kind of out of our control. I think the biggest thing that would help is if state laws reversed the no-fault divorce laws, because that is the fail-safe for anyone who wants to leave their marriage. They can. They just can. It's okay. And if the law says it's okay to do it, then they always know it's right there if I need it. And that's something the church cannot control. And it's, it's a, it's a dev, it has a devastating effect on the family. So I think that would be the number one thing. If I could change, if I had the power, that's what I would change. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's also not something that's, I think, on a lot of people's radars as something, um, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's true. It's when you always have an option in the back of your mind. Yeah, it doesn't make it divorce or, or, or permanency in marriage is not so much the thing right now. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how far we are in the process of it, but I've heard of these kind of contract marriages. Have you heard of this? No. Where people are starting to, like, you could get, you can get married under contract for like five years and then you renew it at the end of five years, which of course is not a marriage, but I've heard that these are the kinds of things that people are trying to propose going forward in marriage in in how they contracted out with the state or the mm-hmm. you know whatnot which i think of course is ridiculous but <laughs> but i feel like in the world we live in that makes sense right yeah you know you you try it out for five years and then at the end of five years we'll have to renew or not i'm like what is that about that's not that's not yeah. what marriage is and that's not the definition of how we understand it to be as god has instituted it so 
it's it's this battle of living in the world, of course. And yeah. as Lisa, you say, you know, it, for those that are going through this awful process and being in divorce or breaking up with somebody, we have to be there for them. And we have to be loving first and foremost and lead with that instead of judgment, which I think the church... I feel like is getting better about that. Do you feel like that as well? I Because I do. I feel like it is getting better. Only, um, not only because, but because it is becoming a more normalized thing in secular society. Mm-hmm. So it is this kind of back and forth thing that as the church, I'm not, I you know, I'm not experienced in this, but I certainly feel like we can be supportive of each other and loving well, each other through process. And I think we're just better at looking at it like a complex issue and that a lot of people that are divorced didn't want to be divorced yeah yeah Um, i think we're accepting that more too you know lisa what are some things that you've learned in your ministry with working with divorced people what are some things you've learned about the specific things that they need and Mm -hmm. the things that they are really struggling with and and the things that are really important for them thank you for asking question. That is a great one. And I do, um, I have learned many things, not only through my personal experience, but in dealing with um, hundreds of other men and women. And the reason why I like this question right now is because the holidays are coming up. And the holidays are a super, super tough time. So even dumb holidays like Memorial Day, and I don't mean that's a dumb holiday necessarily, but it's it's not to celebrate the birth of Christ or anything. Even those you know, holidays where families get together and have barbecues and stuff, that's tough. It's just tough. Any, any you know, family gathering event or reason for that is going to be tough. So what I have, what I feel very strongly about is the way vo- divorced people who are suffering are forgotten. If you, a lot of people equate losing a spouse through divorce with losing a spouse through death. And although there are some similarities I think that if you take a spouse who has died and the surviving spouse receives flowers and food and calls and all kinds of attention, and which is great, it's, it's very, very good that that happens. But someone who has lost a spouse through divorce typically does not receive anything, typically receives the cold shoulder from parishioners or just you know, relatives saying, get over it already. It's it's a very cold place to be and lonely place to be. So as the holidays, you know, as they approach, I, I would encourage anybody, if you know someone who is suffering because of divorce, reach out to them, pay them a visit, give them a call just to check in, send them a card, do anything you can to encourage them, make them feel connected and loved. I think it's really, really important. Yeah, the equation, equation, <laughs> equating um, divorce and death, I've heard that before as well. And you make a great point. We care for those that have that are bereaved, but we don't necessarily think in the same way to shower love on people that are going through a breakup in a divorce. I actually, my my group of friends, every time we go through breakups or whatnot, we do give each other care packages. Um, And I think that is wonderful. And even before that, I wonder why that doesn't happen more often because you are suffering, you are grieving a loss, you are still sad, maybe not in the exact same way, but it's certainly still painful and still merits the kind of attention from your friends and your family that 
I think people would would love and would need after. Yeah, and if you know, I think it's important to note that if someone you know is going through a divorce or has been divorced and is suffering, your outreach to them in compassion does not mean that you condone divorce. And I think some that's what keeps so many people away. What it means is you are in you know in essence kind of being a Simon of Cyrene. You are going to that person and supporting them and helping them carry that cross. And that is that pleases God very much. So it's it's not a, a statement that you're making that, yeah, okay, the divorce is all right. Because it's not. It's not okay. It's just a reality. And so if we can reach out and help these people carry their crosses, I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and I think it's also, I mean, I think there's definitely still a stigma about divorce. Like, even someone that didn't want to be divorced, there's this, like, kind of stigma of failure in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also it can be really hard when you have mutual friends that get divorced and you don't really know, like, who to quote-unquote side with or, Mm, you know, how how to treat one or the other. And, you know, maybe there is one person you like better than the other or one person that you blame for the divorce. Even marriages that do get a you know, it's still a long-term relationship that, especially if you know the one person that didn't want it, it's really, really hard not to blame the other person. Yes, true. <laughs> so I know that you have a conference coming up for divorced Catholics. Could you talk a little bit about yes, that? Thank you for asking. Um, this is the Journey of Hope Conference for Divorce Recovery, and it's going to be here in Charleston, South Carolina. August 4th through the 6th of 2017. And I'm very excited about it. This is my third conference. The first two I did in Atlanta, Georgia. And they become a transformational experience because people who attend are surrounded by people who understand them. They get to hear amazing talks by wonderful Catholics, both clergy and lay people, who know the experience of divorce. Um, Maybe not the clergy, of course, but um, the lay people do. And there's a lot of compassion. There's a lot of accurate information. There is the sacraments. There's adoration. In Atlanta, the second conference that we had, the priests were hearing confessions for hours and hours, I mean, up until 11 p.m., because so many people were moved to go to the sacrament, and it's so healing. So there's so much healing. There's good food, there are good people, and it's a great place to find refreshment and, you know, kind of start putting the past to rest and start a new chapter. So I'm really excited. That's awesome. I'm so happy that you're doing that. Yeah, that's great. In your third year, how many people do you say turn out for it? Well, let's see. The first two that we did in Atlanta, those were in 2010 and 2011. And if memory serves, we had about 150 people, but they came from all over the United States, plus Canada, plus Mexico. That's so awesome. That really and we, is great. we didn't have the promotional tools that we have now. I'm projecting about probably two to 250. The Diocese of Charleston is partnering with me, and that's going to be just a really great thing. So if anybody is interested in finding out more, the website is journeyofhopeconference.com. That's amazing. I, I really love that because the impression that I have of many people 
many divorced Catholics is that they feel like they somehow can't participate fully in the life of the church mm. after a divorce. Right. And, you know, and I don't know if that's just their own perception or also what they're getting from everyone around them. But I love that they can go to a really welcoming and safe space with, you know, with members of the church and with the clergy and totally fully have a really well-rounded faith experience. Well, you know, it's Pope Francis just put it so accurately when he said that he sees the church as the field hospital and Mm -hmm. that we, the workers, need to go onto the battlefield and bring the wounded and that's what the conference is all about, you know, healing those wounds and, and welcoming them back. And, you know, if there are difficult situations, as long as someone is willing and and desirous of being received into the church, there's really no situation that can't be overcome. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no problem that can't be resolved. So I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that sounds really great. And, and I'm so glad there's a place for people to go and do exactly all those things that you're saying. <laughs> with other people that understand what they've gone through. And do you feel like the church is getting better at talking about divorce and ministering to divorced people? I do. You know, I've got a lot of colleagues, um, Rose Sweet comes to mind and other people who understand that it's not our job to, you know, judge everyone's situation. Mm -hmm. And that. What I mean by that is it's I'm not capable of understanding all the the nuances of someone's divorce, nor is it my business. What I can do is listen to their stories and I can offer them accurate information. You know, if someone left their marriage and abandoned their family for selfish reasons, that person has, you know, issues that they need to uh, rectify if they want to receive the sacraments again. It's not my job to judge that person, but it is my job to inform them and to help them come back, to help them rectify their situation. So, you know, a lot of people just kind of think that the church is, you know, watering down the truth or just getting lackadaisical when it comes to uh, divorced Catholics. And it's really not true. We can uphold the teachings of Christ on marriage and we can help those in whatever their situations are remain Catholic or come back to the faith just by accompanying them, showing them compassion because there is real pain and real suffering and we help them come back. And you know, the priests are there for confession and the canon lawyers are there for annulments. And, you know, it's our job to just really help them come back. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I love that. Oh, is there anything else that you'd uh, like to comment on? Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I think that for anybody who may be listening that is going through a divorce or has been and is feeling disconnected from the church. I just like to say that I hope that you would take into consideration that while divorce is not something that the church approves, it is only something that happened to you. 
it does not mm. define who you are. Mm. You still have a mission in life that God gave you that he wants you to fulfill. Mm. You still have amazing qualities that you were gifted by God. You still have a purpose yes. to fulfill. And, and it, it, the divorce does not negate all the good things that you've done in the past or anything. You're still an important part of the church. So, you know, please come back if you're away or look a little closer if your relationship with the church is strained and reach out to me or to anyone else that can give you compassionate help because that's what we're here for. Mm. Uh, Thank you so much. How would you, do you have specific kind of advice for how to get over maybe like the anger and the resentment and the regret or you know kind of also the struggles with faith I know that mm-hmm. when I've been through breakups in the past it's like well God why did you allow that to happen yeah. <laughs> why did you let me make such a bad choice <laughs> or, yeah <laughs> um, so do you, can you speak to that a little bit um, that is a huge, huge issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did write about it in both of my books, Divorced Catholic Now What? And then The Catholic Guide to Dating After Divorce. I address those because it is so important. But I think there are some steps that you can take that are very important to kind of move past that. And, you know, as I mentioned early on in this interview, I struggled mightily with the blame game. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to blame. It's harder to take responsibility. And so, you know, if if someone who's struggling with this can first accept the fact that, you know, they contributed to the divorce just by not being a perfect spouse. Um, You know, in other words, I was a faithful wife. I never wanted to be divorced and I fought for my marriage, but in the end I was divorced. So I could blame that all on my ex-spouse, but you know, I contributed to it because I was not perfect. Mm -hmm. I had my faults and my failings and to blame it, to, you know, place the blame squarely on his shoulders and walk away um, as a victim is, is not fair. Mm -hmm. It's just not fair. So I had my problems and that was, you know, it contributed. And so if you can accept that, it's a great place to start moving forward because you free yourself of that victimhood. Mm -hmm. And then you can start working on forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And then you can start after working on forgiveness, work on detachment, which is a whole different conversation, Mm -hmm. but basically kind of um, detaching yourself from all the things that are keeping you from moving forward. There are a number of steps that you can take, but I'd say those are probably the, the three most important. Yeah. Oh gosh. Those sound obviously, and we could talk about this again for yes. a whole other year, but <laughs> yeah, good steps for any breakup. Those are, yeah. Good steps for really to... coming out of any situation yeah. is that getting out of the victim mindset and mm-hmm. accepting yeah. responsibility. And, and especially that last one detachment, I think that's a, that's a step that is especially hard for people because it's, it's about really taking stock of what is in your life and how are you really actively getting away from whatever it is that is holding you back from moving on. And, you know, whether that's, you know, stop contacting your ex for a while or, you know, maybe don't have all those photos around because you like to stay attached in that way, but you know, it's just painful or, you know, and getting rid of things in your life. I mean, I know those are like superficial maybe, but you're still, it's still touching on emotional parts of you that, 
probably go deeper than you, you realize. So detachment yes. and, and getting away from it, it is really hard to let go so easily. Yeah. Yeah, even things like um, turning off a song that brings back oh, yes. bad memories. Oh. You don't mm-hmm. don't listen don't to it. it. And, <laughs> yeah, turn it off Seriously. or change the station or do something else. I mean, there are there are many ways um, that you can think of to do this, but I think a lot of people don't think about it and they yeah. just remain stuck because they have all this stuff around them and they never let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's like, I, I miss as much as, as painful as it was, you know, if we are, we miss them, it's like the only thing holding us or still keeping us attached to them. And that's, and we like that. We like self, like we torture ourselves because of this. I mean, yeah. every teenager yeah. that goes through a breakup and it never ends even into adulthood. Yeah. You know, we still have our versions of that. So, yeah. uh, detachment. Yeah. It's it's a big one. We need to do an episode on breakups and how to do it healthily. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. so, so, um, where can people find your books? At lisaduffy.com. Um, I've got four books and a, a DVD. I've got a parish program that people can bring to their parish called journey of hope. And, um, I'm, you know, the, the, the more I'm, you know, going forward, I'll just keep cranking out whatever material I can get to help people. So come back for more. <laughs> That's awesome. And you were also very easy to contact, I have to say. You know, sometimes we contact authors and they don't get back to us. Or <laughs> yeah, so we appreciate your time. And your yeah, just- yeah. And I do encourage people to get in touch with you. Yeah, and I love that you have a parish program, too. That's amazing. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. Well, it's, it's definitely my pleasure, and I'm excited to be part of your podcast. Um, oh, I think you. it's very a very classy production. Oh, thank you. Aww, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we at least try to keep it classy. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, can we ask you, do you mm-hmm. have a favorite Bible verse uh, mm. for especially like for healing and um, for people that might be going through divorce. Hmm. I think that probably would be Romans eight twenty eight, um, which is God, God turns all things for the good for those who love him. So even, you know, even in the worst scenario and, and believe me, there are people out there that have unthinkable scenarios because of their divorce. Unthinkable. Even those God can turn around for someone's good. He can bring good out of them. So that's very, very important to remember when you're in your darkest hour. And then I actually do have one other uh, favorite um, scripture, and I don't remember where this is, but it's when Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I think for a lot of people who don't understand the devastation that occurs with the divorce and they're just kind of judging people based on the fact that the Catholic Church doesn't allow divorce. So they're kind of, you know, um, looking at them as outcasts. I would, you know, just share that with them. I I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You know, this is not about a pharisaical attitude. This is about bringing that person home. Yeah, and we can all definitely be challenged in our daily lives to love others more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. yeah, I love that. 
Well, thank you, Lisa Duffy. This has been Lisa Duffy, author, blogger, relationship, and divorce expert, divorce recovery expert. (laughs) Um, And she is the author of The Catholic Guide to Dating After Divorce, as well as other books such as A Road to Healing, Divorce Catholic, Now What? So please check her out at lisaduffy.com and you can find all her books in bookstores as well as amazon.com and on lisaduffy.com on lisaduffy.com and she also is going to be doing a journey of hope conference next year 2017th august 4 through 6 in charleston south carolina hopefully we can um as we get closer lisa we would love to promote it even yeah. more i think that would be really great and um i love that you're doing that so thank you again oh, that would be wonderful yeah yeah sure thank you for listening to another episode of fishers of men if you have any questions comments or feedback please email us at fishers of men podcast at gmail.com or on our website at fishers of men podcast.com we are also on facebook under fishers of men on twitter as at la gone fishing and at instagram at fishers of men podcast there's an underscore between each word Please rate and make comments on iTunes as it will help people discover us. Yes. Once again, I'm Laura Samara. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming. <laughs>